Teaching number 22, the armor of God's grace, part one out of our study on Ephesians, the riches of grace. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 is where we see the armor of God's grace. Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, then to stand. So in these verses, we learn a lot about Satan. What do we learn about Satan? Number one, is Satan devises a plan of attack against us. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, when I hear the word schemes, just my love for sports, football comes to my mind. And I think about how different teams will scheme against another team. It's their plan of attack. It's how are we going to attack this team's offense? How are we going to attack this team's defense? And these schemes are very strategic. They're based upon the team that the other team is playing. So schemes will change from one team to the next team. And so when I see this, that we put on our full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, the devil has a specific plan of attack I think against each one of us that's specifically designed against our weaknesses. So in a football game, it's how can our offense attack the weaknesses of their defense? What are the weaknesses of their defense? And how can our defense attack the weaknesses of their offense? So Satan is looking for weaknesses uh, that he can attack. And so Satan is against us and he devises a plan of attack against us. What else do we learn about Satan in these verses? Is Satan deploys a powerful army against us. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So basically what we see is an unseen army that is against us. What we can see is not our enemy. For example, my children, they're not my enemy. My wife is not my enemy. My neighbor's not my enemy. Uh, the people who maybe I have a difficult getting, time getting along with, they're not my enemy. Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is this powerful army that Satan deploys against us, which is in the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we have an unseen enemy who devises a plan against us and deploys a powerful army, a spiritual army against us. What else do we learn about Satan in these verses? Is three, Satan delivers his pointed arrows at us. Ephesians 6.13 and Ephesians 6.16. When the day of evil comes, the flaming arrows of the evil one. So Satan aims his spiritual arrows at us that are based upon our weaknesses in order to attack us. He deploys this empire of strategic forces that are against us. He fires these flaming arrows. And we're going to look as we study this more over the next few weeks. What are the flaming arrows that are against us? What's his strategy? How does he operate? And how do we defend ourselves against Satan? So how do we stand against Satan's plan of attack, his powerful army, and his pointed arrows? How do we stand against them? Well, number one is activate the Lord's strength and power. We see this in Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So our ability to take our stand against the devil's schemes is in the Lord's mighty power. Our strength is in the Lord's mighty power. 
So not only in order to take our stand against Satan, do we activate the Lord's strength and power, but number two is we appropriate the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, stand. So we want to appropriate the full armor of God, meaning we want to put the armor on. That's what the word appropriate means. The, the word appropriate means to take and to use as your own, to consider it to be yours. And since it's yours, utilize it. So God has given us his full armor to defend ourselves against satanic attacks, this satanic army that's against us that he deploys against us and these pointed arrows that he fires at us. So we'll put on the full armor of God to defend ourselves. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to examine the armor of God in its fullness. For the remainder of this study, let's take a look at the Lord's mighty power. If, if the Lord's mighty power is our strength, then we've got to know what the Lord's mighty power is. How do we activate the Lord's mighty power in our lives so we can defend ourselves against Satan and the spiritual army that's against us? Now, Paul writes in Ephesians 6.10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we begin to see what the Lord's mighty power is in Ephesians 1.18 through 21. Paul is praying in Ephesians 1.18 through 21, and Paul prays this. I ask that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power to us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. For above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. So here's what we see. We see that our ability to take our stand against Satan is to be strong in his mighty power. And then when we look in Ephesians 1, 18 through 21, we see that his power is available to us who believe. So the way we stand against Satan, his powerful army, his pointed arrows, his plan of attack, is believing, believing. His power is available to us who believe. And then we, we see the comparison here that God's power is in accordance with or like the working of his mighty strength when he exerted Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenlies. That we have this kind of power available to us because when we see the power which God exerted in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Look at this. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. So that's the same power that's available to us in the person of Christ for those who believe. Now, what is it that we believe in that we can access this power, that we can access this strength? We find the answer to this in Ephesians 1.13. And in Jesus, having heard and believed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So our strength and power to take our stand against Satan's plan of attack, his powerful army, and his pointed arrows is the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So when Paul says in Ephesians 6, that our ability to stand against Satan is in the power of his mighty strength. That strength is the gospel. The armor of God is the armor of grace. It is the gospel. Our ability to take our stand against Satan is being established in the gospel of grace because it's the gospel of grace that defeated Satan at the cross. It's the gospel of grace that defeated Satan in the resurrection and Satan in the ascension. 
And so we have at our disposal the gospel of grace or the word of truth. And when we believe the gospel of grace, when we believe it to be true, it becomes very powerful within us. So this leads us to another question. What is the word of truth? What is the gospel of our salvation that if we believe it, it becomes our strength to take our stand against Satan? We get insight into the gospel of our salvation, the word of truth in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. It provides some of the answer to this question of what is the word of truth? What is the gospel of your salvation? Paul writes, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to walk when you conformed to the ways of this world and of the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's unbelievers. So what we see here is before we were saved, before we experienced the gospel of salvation, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we used to walk when we conformed to the ways of the world and of the ruler of the power of the air. That's the battle. That's who we war with, this ruler of the power of the air with his powerful army, with his spiritual forces. All of us lived among them at one time, these sons of disobedience, these unbelievers, used to be us, fulfilling the cravings of our flesh and indulging its thoughts and desires. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath or children of wrath. And then in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, but because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might display the surpassing riches of his grace demonstrated by his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel of our salvation. Paul is describing the gospel of our salvation in these verses. And this is the gospel that we believe in. It's the gospel that defeated Satan. It's the gospel that still defeats Satan. And it's the gospel that becomes powerful in our lives when we believe it to be true. Let's continue to read about the gospel of our salvation in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. So in this gospel of salvation that we see in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, Part of this gospel in Ephesians 2, 4 is we're loved by God. That is so key in defeating Satan in our lives. And we're going to look more in the coming weeks why it is essential that we believe that we are loved by God if we're going to take our stand against Satan. Because one of his great weapons is God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God is against you. God hasn't forgiven you. God doesn't accept you. You can't trust God. His first weapon is to lie to us about who God is and what Christ has done for us on the cross. Because if he can lie to us about who God is, the great love of God for us and the riches of his grace to us and the fullness of what Jesus has done for us, if he can get us to believe an incomplete gospel and failure to come into a full understanding of the gospel of grace, he has some power against us if we're not steady and standing in the power of the gospel of grace. So let's continue to look into Ephesians, and we're going to see that grace is the power of the Lord and his strength in our lives. The gospel of grace is the power of the Lord and his strength in our lives, and we activate and appropriate the power of grace through believing. Now, what is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're believing in? Well, Paul gives us a fuller understanding and a deeper look in Ephesians 1, 3 through 8, when he talks more about the gospel of grace, which again is our power to defeat Satan when he comes against us. So Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 3 through 8, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That's a key piece of the gospel that I've got to know, that I've got to understand, that I have to believe in, 
if I'm going to take my stand against Satan, is we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've gone over that in detail in the early study of Ephesians, but as we go through this armor, we're going to go into this again in detail so that we can begin to appropriate and activate the gospel of grace in our lives. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It is with these spiritual blessings that we've been blessed with that we take our stand against our spiritual enemies. How do we fight spiritual enemies? With the spiritual blessings that have been given us in Christ. And when you and I understand the spiritual blessings that have been given us in Christ freely and fully and forever, and we believe these spiritual blessings to be true, then we can take our stand against these spiritual enemies that come against us. Part of the blessings are recorded here for God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. The us here is, is the church, and anybody can be a part of the church. The church simply means God's family of grace. For God has chose us, his family of grace, in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. That's a spiritual blessing that you and I need to understand, that I'm holy before God and I'm blameless before God because Satan is the accuser. And Satan's going to attack the character of God, and he's going to attack the, our identity. And we take our stand when we know that one of the spiritual blessings that we've been blessed with is we're holy and blameless in his presence. And we're loved by God. He's full of mercy and grace and kindness to us. In love, God predestined or determined before time. He predestined us being the church, not individuals here, but, but being his family of grace. He in love, he predestined before time our adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. Or through Jesus, we would become holy and blameless, love sons of the Father. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the beloved one, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. These are spiritual blessings. These are spiritual truths that we use to defeat our spiritual enemy. These are the truths that overcame Satan at the cross. These are the truths that defeated Satan at the cross. And these are the same truths that we want to activate and appropriate in order for us to take our stand against Satan when he attacks us, when that day of evil comes. Now, we first see the gospel of grace in Acts. Acts 26, 15 through 16, the ascended Jesus comes to Paul, and Paul's on the road to Damascus, and Paul asks, who are you, Lord? He, he knew he was in the presence of God. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. But get up and stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen from me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. And look at this, you guys. And from the power of Satan to God. How's this going to happen? What did he want to open their eyes to? What did God, through the message of Paul, want to open the eyes of the Gentiles to? so that they could escape the power of Satan and darkness and move into the power of Jesus and move into the light and the truth of what life is all about and who God is. Jesus said, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, the spiritual eyes of their heart. Remember, this goes right along with Paul's prayer that we, that we looked at earlier. When Paul was praying that the eyes of the Gentiles would be open, the, the eyes of their hearts would be open so that they could see the hope of their calling and the riches of God's grace, so that they could experience the power of God, which was compared to the power of the resurrection. So I'm sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And here's, how, here's the message that enables them to turn from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those sanctified or set apart or made holy and blameless by faith in me. One of the keys 
to taking our stand against these satanic lies that come against us, these pointed arrows that, come, arrows that come against us, his powerful army that comes against us, his plans that he devises against us. One of the spiritual truths, one of the spiritual blessings that we use to take our stand against Satan when, these, when this day of evil comes is that you and I know that all of our sins are forgiven, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. When you and I understand the fullness of the forgiveness of God, we are forgiven, we are holy, we are blameless. Satan can't do anything with that. He can't make us feel guilt. He can't make us feel shame. He can't make us feel unloved by God or unforgiven by God, or he can't make us feel like God's upset with us and mad at us. If we believe the truth that at the cross, Jesus died for all of my sins, if you and I believe that the blood of Jesus was poured out for all of our sins and through faith in Jesus, we receive forgiveness. And we understand that as believers, we don't go around asking God for forgiveness. We have received his complete forgiveness through faith in Jesus. We are forgiven. We possess forgiveness in Ephesians 1, 6 through 8. We possess forgiveness. We have forgiveness. We don't request that God forgive us. We possess the forgiveness of God because he has forgiven us and we've placed our faith in Jesus. That's a, just an essential truth of the gospel that we have to understand and we have to activate and appropriate if we're going to take our stand against Satan. This is part of the spiritual armor of God is knowing that you and I are forgiven. Paul also talks about the gospel of grace in Acts 20, 24 that he received from Jesus. He said, I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And as Paul testified to the gospel of God's grace, it set people free from the power of Satan because part of the gospel of God's grace is your sins have been paid for fully by Jesus. And through faith in Jesus, you and I receive forgiveness. And we don't spend the rest of our lives asking for forgiveness. We spend the rest of our life in appreciation that we are forgiven. Satan can't do anything with that. And that's why Satan works so hard to suppress the gospel. Satan's desire is to keep the gospel of grace getting to God's family of grace. Because Satan knows if he can keep the gospel of grace getting to God's family of grace, then he can attack the family of God. He can come against, God doesn't love you. God hasn't forgiven you. Live in shame, live in guilt, live in regret. You remember what you did in high school. You remember what you did. God hasn't forgiven you of that. Many people, they'll spend their lives begging God to forgive them for a sin they committed when they were in high school. Begging God to forgive them for a sin they committed in college. Begging God to forgive them for a sin they committed in their 30s or even they committed yesterday. God, please, I beg you, please forgive me. And God is saying, hey, Brad, you don't have to beg for my forgiveness. You don't even have to ask me for forgiveness. The truth is I've forgiven you in Christ. All your sins were paid for by Jesus. And remember what Jesus told Paul in Acts 26, 18. I'm sending you to them to receive forgiveness. You proclaim forgiveness, they receive forgiveness. So God's the one doing the asking in the gospel of grace, not us. God's asking unbelievers to receive forgiveness. And when they place their faith in him, they have that power now as believers to take their stand against Satan when he accuses them and attacks them and wants them to live in regret and shame for what they've done, we take our stand and we say, no, Satan, I am forgiven. I am loved. I am accepted. I am a loved son. I am a loved daughter of the father. I'm not going to live in guilt over my past sins. I'm not going to live in regret over my past sins. I'm not going to live in shame over my past sins. Because the good news of the gospel of grace is I have been forgiven and I am righteous before God and I am holy before God and I am blameless before God. This is part of the spiritual armor that we have to put on if we're going to take our stand against Satan's lies that we're not forgiven. And he will try to suppress that gospel. Now, remember, we're talking about the power we need 
to strengthen us so that we can take our stand against Satan and against his powerful forces. So let's take a look at how the power of the gospel of grace keeps Satan from getting a foothold in our relationships and in our lives. So the gospel is the power of God that's available to you and I to take our stand against Satan. The gospel of grace, what Jesus has done for us on the cross, is our strength to take our stand against Satan. You and I are in relationships with people. Satan's goal is to get a foothold in our relationships. But the gospel of grace is God's power that keeps Satan from getting a foothold in our relationships. Look in Ephesians 4, 26 through 5, 2. Do not let the sun set upon your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. Satan is looking for a weakness in our relationships. Satan's looking for a weakness in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with my kids, in my relationships with other people. He's seeking to find a weakness that he can get a foothold in our relationships. And if he can get a foothold in our relationships, then he can cause a lot of damage and destruction to our relationships and to the people within the relationships. So Paul says, do not let the sun set upon your anger. Satan would come and say, hey, it's okay. Go to sleep angry. No big deal. Go to sleep mad. It's all right. You deserve to be angry at them for what they've done. Stay mad. Stay angry. Stay frustrated. Pay them back for what they did. Get them back for what they did. You didn't deserve that. Treat them the way they treat you. If they hurt you, you hurt them back. But see, that's not the gospel of grace. And when we buy into his lies, then we give him a foothold. That's why Paul says, do not let the sun set upon your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up the one in need and bringing grace to those who listen. So one of the ways we don't give Satan a foothold, one of the ways is I'm not going to let the sun go down on my anger to this person that I'm in relationship with. And secondly, I'm not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth to this person. I'm not going to say to them what they said to me. I'm not going to get back at them what they just dished out to me. That I'm, I'm going to walk the grace road. Because if I don't walk the grace road, then I'm going, to give devil, I'm going to give the devil a foothold in my relationship. He's going to grab a hold of my relationship. But if I can bring grace to those who I'm speaking to, if you and I can speak grace to people, then, then Satan can't get a foothold in our relationships. He can't grab onto our relationship when we give grace away. Paul goes on the right, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Eternal security. You and I are saved. One of Satan's lies is you can lose your salvation. You and I cannot lose our salvation. We have been sealed. Our salvation has been sealed. The Spirit of Christ lives in us. And the day of redemption is going to come when we're set free from these earthly bodies and we receive a new body. But speaking of relationship, Paul, Paul goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness. Remember, do not let the sun go down upon your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold in your relationships. How do we do that? Get rid of all bitterness. That's staying mad at somebody over the course of a period of time. And I, I replay what they said. I replay what they did. I watch it over and over again in my mind. And the more I watch it, the more angrier I get. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, outcry, and slander. That's yelling and slander. That's you say something to hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, along with every form of malice. Malice is whatever you do to me, I'm going to do to you. He says, instead of treating people with bitterness and rage and anger and slander and brawling and arguing and payback, Instead of doing that, he says, be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving each other. Now, the Greek word we look there is not for the word forgiving. The Greek word is giving grace to each other, just as in Christ, God gave grace to you. Most translations say forgive and forgave, but it's not. It's be kind and tenderhearted to one another, giving grace to each other, just as Christ just as in Christ God forgave you, or just as in Christ God gave grace to you. So we notice that the power here 
to keep Satan from getting a foothold in our relationships is when we let grace flow to people within our relationships. And when grace flows to others in our relationships, Satan can't get a foothold. So one of the pieces of the armor that we put on is the gospel of grace. That actually, it is the armor. And there are different pieces to the gospel of grace that we're, we're going to put on this full armor of God. We want to put on the full gospel of grace. We want to put on the full armor of grace. And part of the full armor of grace, one part is knowing that you and I have been graced by God. We've been forgiven completely by God. We're completely accepted by God. We're completely righteous before God. God has given grace to us. I'm putting that on. God, you've, you're, you have given grace to me. And I'm not going to live in the guilt of my sins anymore. And I'm not going to beg you for forgiveness anymore. I'm going to believe that all my sins were paid for by Jesus at the cross. I'm going to believe that the blood of Jesus has purchased for me complete forgiveness. I'm going to believe what the scriptures say, that God, you're not counting my sins against me anymore. I'm going to believe what the new covenant says, that God remembers my sins no more. They're all paid for at the cross. And when you and I believe the gospel, it becomes powerful in us personally. And it also becomes power, powerful in our relationships with other people. Because now we can begin to give away the grace to other people that God has given you and me. And when that happens, Satan cannot get a foothold on our relationships. So what we've learned is that the power to withstand Satan is the gospel of grace from God to us in Christ. And then the gospel of grace that comes from God to us in Christ, then it goes out to others. So that when you and I believe the gospel of grace that's come to us in Christ, these spiritual blessings, all the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ, I'm holy, I'm blameless, I'm forgiven, I'm saved by the grace of God, can't lose my salvation, loved by God, he's full of mercy, he's full of kindness and compassion to me. When I believe the truths of the gospel of grace, and then I give these truths of grace out to other people in my relationships, that becomes our power to withstand Satan. Now, also the power to withstand Satan's attack and his schemes and his arrows that he shoots at us is the love of Jesus for us. This is another essential part of the armor of God. Now, we learn about the power and the strength of the love of Jesus for us in Ephesians three fourteen through 21. And Paul prays, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I ask that out of the riches of his glory, look at this, I ask that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power. That's where Paul gets that phrase from in Ephesians 6, when he talks about that our ability to stand against Satan's schemes and our strength to stand against Satan's schemes is in the power of the Lord. So when we look at Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, we're going to discover what is the power of the Lord that strengthens us, that then enables us to take our stand against Satan when the day of evil comes, when he shoots these fiery arrows at us on the day of evil. It is knowing we are loved by Jesus. Paul said, I ask that out of the riches of his glory, the Father may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. So it's a power that is enabled within us by the Holy Spirit. It's an internal power that the, the Holy Spirit is, is going to give us some revelation of, some awareness of. What is this power? Well, one, it's so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Part of the power is knowing that Jesus lives in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm a person with whom Jesus lives. So think about it this way. I'm a person for whom Jesus died. I'm a person whom Jesus died for all my sins. I'm a person whom the blood of Jesus was shed for all my sins. That sin I committed in high school, forgiven. 
That sin I committed in my 20s, forgiven. That sin I committed in my 40s or 30s or yesterday or today, forgiven. Nailed to the cross. Take a look at Colossians when you get a chance, chapter 2. The cross defeated these satanic powers. Our sins being nailed to the cross defeated these satanic powers. That's uh, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. So part of the, the armor of grace that we put in, on, part of this full armor of God that you and I put on, is believing that Jesus dwells within our hearts and that the one who dwell, dwells within our hearts loves us, gave his life for us, paid the penalty for all of our sins, that we're fully forgiven forever. We're loved by him. Paul goes on to say, I ask that out of the riches of his glory, the Father may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Then you, being rooted and grounded in love, will have power together. Look at that. We'll have power. So where's our power to defeat Satan comes from? When we're rooted and grounded in love. When we believe that God loves us, his great love for us, Ephesians chapter 2, his mercy, his rich mercy to us. Then you, through the enablement of the Holy Spirit within us to see this person of Christ, indwelling our hearts by faith, then you being rooted and grounded in love will have power. So if we're not rooted and grounded in the love of Christ for us, we won't have the power of Christ in us. He will be in us, but we won't have activated that power. We won't have appropriated that power. This power is directly related to the presence of Christ in us and the love of Christ for us when he gave himself for us at the cross. Look what Paul says. Then you, being rooted and grounded in love, will have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and the width and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, this armor, we think of the armor of God as an external armor. But the armor of God is not external. The armor of God is an internal armor. It's a spiritual armor. I mean, that's why Paul's praying here. He's praying that I want them to understand the length and the width and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. And that's my prayer for you guys. That's my prayer for myself. That the Holy Spirit within us would give us the, the awareness that Christ does live in us. And the one who lives in us, he loves us so much. And he's forgiven us completely of all sins. So our ability to, to take our stand against Satan, our power to take our stand against Satan, we have to stand in the love of Christ. I am loved by Jesus. The width, the height, the depth, the length of the love of Christ. When I think of that, I think about the cross. The length, the width, the height, the depth of the cross. And to know this love. And that's, that's my heart for us, that, that we really come to know. And it's not something we can try to understand. It, it's something that the Holy Spirit really has to give us revelation of. He, he has to give us revelation of this great love because the love of Christ for us is beyond anything that our brain can comprehend. Our brains cannot intellectually comprehend the love of Christ. So our prayers is, Holy Spirit, give us this comprehension deep within us of how much Jesus loves us. And it's from this love that you and I are able to withstand Satan and his spiritual forces and, and their attacks. Paul goes on to write in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, and this is coming right out of Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. It's all in context here. Now to him, now, now, now that you understand the love of Christ, now that the Holy Spirit has given you this internal awareness of how much you're loved by Christ. 
now that you've come to understand that Christ dwells in you and lives in you and loves you deeply, now to him who is able to do much more than all we ask or imagine, look at this, according to his power that is at work, where? Within us. The spiritual armor of God is not external. The spiritual armor of God is internal. And the spiritual armor of God is an awareness of how much we're loved by the Father, of how much we're loved by Jesus, of how much the Father has forgiven us in Christ, that we're holy, that we're blameless, that God is a God of great love and we've been saved by grace through faith and it's eternal. This is an eternal awakening to the gospel of grace, and which is our spiritual armor. All right, let's move on. In Ephesians 5, 2, we see the power of the gospel in our relationships as well, which keeps Satan from getting a foothold. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 2, Be imitators of God, therefore, as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant sacrificial offering to God. So part of the spiritual armor that we want to put on, that we want to activate, that we want to appropriate, because it is true, but we want, to, we want to believe it to be true, and we want to live it as truth, and we want to put it on internally, is that you and I are beloved children of God. We are beloved. Now that's a, that's, it's not that we're loved children of God. We're beloved children of God. We're so loved children of God. There's a depth to God's love for us. Be imitators of God, therefore, as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant sacrificial offering to God. So as you and I have a deeper awareness of the love of the Father for us, as we have a deeper awareness that we are beloved children of the Father, as we have a deeper awareness and revelation of how much Jesus loved us and that he gave himself up for us and all of our sins and we're fully forgiven of all sins, then we're able to walk in love and we're able to give love to people we're in relationship with. But our concentration has to be on, I am a loved child of the Father. I'm a loved child of God. I'm beloved by the Father. I'm forgiven by the Father. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm blameless before the Father. I'm eternally secure. I'm safe completely and eternally by the Father. And as we concentrate more on how much we're loved by the Father and how much we've been graced by God in Christ, then we're able to walk in love. And then Satan can't get a foothold on our relationships. Our strength and power to take our stand against Satan's plan of attack, his powerful army, his pointed arrows, our strength and power is the gospel of grace freely given to us in Jesus and the gospel of grace that we freely give to others, and the love of Jesus for us and in us. That's how we take our stand. We stand in the gospel of grace. We stand in the love of Christ for us. We stand in the fact that we're forgiven. We stand in the fact that we're holy. We stand in the fact that we are blameless before God. We stand in the fact that we're saved, not by works, but by grace. And when we stand in these truths, Something happens internally within us that changes us when we stand. I got to thinking today, you guys, and I don't know why, but I just got to thinking about smiling. And I got to thinking that we don't try to smile. Nobody tries to smile and it be authentic. If we try to smile, it's not authentic. But when something happens internally within us that brings joy, that brings happiness, that makes us laugh on the inside, we smile. But I didn't try to smile. I think for some reason I thought about that today. I think I thought about something, heard something, and I just started smiling. I'm like, there's a spiritual principle there because I didn't try to smile. Something happened on the inside of me that produced a smile on my face. But if I try to smile, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't even come off right. It's not authentic. But when something on the outside happens to me on the inside that would cause me to laugh internally, I smile. And I got to thinking that that's what the gospel of grace is like. The gospel of grace 
goes into us and it changes us. It, it does something inside of us that we couldn't try to do. We couldn't, we couldn't put enough effort and enough hard work and try hard enough to do what the gospel of grace does within us. And so that when we take our stand against Satan, it's not us putting forth effort to take our stand against Satan, even though we do want to appropriate truth and activate truth through believing. But as we believe this gospel of grace really is true. It's not a fairy tale. Jesus really did die on the cross for all of my sins. Jesus really did forgive me for all of my sins. All of my sins were truly and completely counted against Jesus. I really am righteous before God. I really am holy before God. I really am blameless before God. So that when Satan comes with his accusations, they don't work. Because we're so established in the gospel of grace, we're so established in the love of Christ, that when he comes, this spiritual armor is operating from within us to counteract all of his lies. And we believe the gospel to be true. Now, Paul writes in Ephesians 3, 10 through 11, he says, God's purpose was that now through the church, that's the family of grace through the church. That's those who've come to faith in Christ, not the building, but the spiritual family of God, the spiritual family of grace. That God's purpose was that through the church, God's family of grace, you and me, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. And that's who we fight. That's who battles against us. That's who Paul is referring to when he writes in Ephesians chapter 6. That we have these spiritual forces that are against us. These spiritual rulers that are against us. These spiritual authorities that are against us. These satanic plans that he's devised. These schemes that he's developed. These arrows that are pointed right at us. When they're pointed at us, when these schemes come against us, when these plans come against us, when these spiritual forces come against us, God says, all right, I'm going to show the rulers something. I'm going to show the authorities in the air something. I'm going to show these satanic, demonic beings in the unseen realm, we can't see them. God can see them and they can see us, but we really can't see them. He says, I'm going to show them something. When they come against my family of grace, they're going to see my manifold wisdom. So here's the question. What is the manifold wisdom of God that these rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms See, when they come against God's children, what is this manifold wisdom? Look back up in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. All right, let's just start with Ephesians 1, and we'll read 3 through 8. We're looking at what is the manifold wisdom of God, that when Satan attacks us, that God's going to show in us and demonstrate in us that, hey, Satan, you're defeated. You, you're powerless against my family of grace. Look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. For he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence. In love he predestined us for adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the beloved one. In Jesus, we have redemption. That's the full payment of our sins through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, complete forgiveness. According to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So what is the wisdom of God that is made known through the church, through his family of grace? The wisdom of God that is made known through the family of grace 
the wisdom of God is the gospel of grace. It's the glorious grace of God that he's freely and fully and forever given you and I in Christ. So when Satan comes, you're not forgiven. Oh, yeah, I am forgiven. Matter of fact, it says in Ephesians chapter 1 that I'm fully forgiven and I'm freely forgiven because Jesus is the redemption for my sins through his blood. And all of my sins have been forgiven according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on me with all wisdom and understanding. So what are we demonstrating back to Satan when he comes against us? Brad, you're not forgiven. No, I am forgiven. And I'm fully forgiven and I'm freely forgiven and I'm forever forgiven. And so it's this gospel of grace that comes into us. And that when Satan comes against us, it says here in Ephesians 3, 10 through 11, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when you and I understand the eternal purpose of God that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, when we understand this, then that's the power that his wisdom in us begins to shine to these rulers and authorities and the heavenly realms. And this eternal purpose is the gospel of grace. It's everything God has done for us in Christ. In Ephesians 2, 7, it's God, dem God demonstrated his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God demonstrated his grace and his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And for all eternity, you and I are going to behold the grace of God. I truly believe that the power that's available to you and me, the strength that's available to you and me, that's in the Lord, is the gospel of grace. And the more you and I are established in the gospel of grace, and the more you and I are established in the love of Christ, then Satan will not have the power to defeat us. His plans will fail. His spiritual forces sent against us will fail. His flaming arrows will burn out because you and I are standing in the gospel of grace. We're standing in the love of Christ. And it's the gospel of grace that defeated Satan. It's the love of Christ that defeated Satan. And it's the gospel of grace that defeats Satan still today. And it's the love of Christ that defeats Satan in, still today. And so we want to stand. We want to stand in the gospel of grace. And we want to stand in the love of Christ. We want to say with Paul that this life that I now live, I live by faith in the one who loves me and the one who gave himself for me. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. What Paul is saying is this life that I live, I live by faith in the one who loves me, faith in the one who gave, gave himself for me, and I am righteous before God. And that's the gospel we want to stand in, and that's our strength to defeat Satan.